Hello and welcome to the Imbue Podcast. My name is Alex and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Peter Taunton. Peter is the founder and chairman of Lift Brands, the parent company of Snap Fitness. Join us as we chat today about his different business ventures, including Tassa Lodge uh, and some of his music festivals and his early beginnings working for his dad's convenience store uh, and turning around a club that was failing and losing $200,000 a year. Uh, so join us today as we follow Peter's journey to building one of the largest wellness brands in the world today. Cool. I don't, know if the, I, don't know if the, I don't know if the internet's any better or worse right here, but what the hell? Let's go. I think I think it looks fine. It looks beautiful there. Uh, what's the temperature in Miami? Is it like right now? I'm, today is probably eight. It's going to be low eighties. Low eighties. No, it's 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 beautiful. I can't. I don't want to rub it in, but it's. And we've had a we've had a, a spell of weather here that is, for the last like two or three weeks, it's been eighty and sunny every day. No rain. It's, it's yeah, it's amazing. It really I'm is. Jealous, man, I am jealous. No. Cool. Hey, I, I, I forgot my coffee side or my juice. Hang on a second. I'm going to go grab it real quick. I brought this little stool out too. I'm going to see if by propping this up, if that helps. Hang on. Let's see if that's a little better. I don't, know. I don't know if it is or not. But what the hell? You see my secretary? What? Oh, that's cute. Me? What's her name? Rosie. Rosie? Five pounds of thunder. Five pounds of thunder right there. Five pounds of thunder. One of my buddies, yeah, he's a – I was chatting with him yesterday. He's she's got a, a big old – Yeah. She's a what? I'll show you. She's oh, a chihuahua. Oh, machine. <laughs> yeah. That's nothing but five pounds of fury right there. <laughs> One of my buddies, he's got a, he's got a 40-pound corgi, and that, he, that's, his, uh, that's his weight for his at-home workouts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of funny, huh? But cool. So man, are, you doing? Are, you still, are you still in school? Are you out of school? What are you doing? So um, I wanted to chat about you, but so my journey is is actually kind of similar to yours, at least from what I found on your podcast. So okay, uh, uh, I saw that you were a professional racquetball player. I mean, I, I was never a professional athlete, but I ran uh, Division One track in college. But left oh, after nice. A, yeah, but I, I left after a year, um, and then I went to I did. I, what. Where'd you go? Uh, University of Kentucky. So I uh, was a uh, I was a wildcat, <laughs> which yeah. is actually, which is super fun. Um, actually, I, I caught up with some of my buddies yesterday. One of my buddies, he uh, he was the indoor record holder for Great Britain, and another one of my okay. buddies is not was ranked number one in the world for 110 hurdles. So pretty crazy to see them wow. taking off and just absolutely killing it. So. Um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so I went there for a year, um, and then I left and worked at a marketing agency, um, and I had un- unlimited paid time off, which was one of the benefits. So I got to work on really cool side projects, and one of the ones that came about um, was I was helping this guy in Poland work with a sportswear brand, uh, or sorry, I was helping this uh, guy in Poland enter the U.S. market. He had a, he has a large sportswear brand base there called 4F, okay. and. This, yeah, this guy started this company with, with nothing when he was 22 and grew it into this really big, you know, a couple hundred million dollar a year company. Oh, that's, and that's I, great. I love it. Yeah. And so I met, I met him actually when I was, so I went with my dad to the Olympics uh, in Pyeongchang. Uh, he, he works with the biathlon union or international biathlon union. 
Okay. And so like our, our family shared hotel room, got paid for our tickets at Air Miles, and it was a really cool trip. And that's actually, I met him there. And when I met him, he was like, we've been here for four years. Um, and I like, we do not we do nothing here in the US. I don't know anybody. And so I was like, dude, let me take your card. Like maybe I know someone. And sure enough, a couple weeks later, I ended up meeting uh, Tiger Shaw, who runs USA Ski and Snowboarding. And he was like, I love Columbia. Columbia just pulled out as our, as our main sponsor. And so I helped facilitate a deal there. And then it didn't go through, but I went to go work in Poland last winter. <clears throat> and then while in Poland is where I got the idea for uh, what I'm working on now, which is uh, a company called Imbue that I started. And we're building a universal gym membership. So essentially an alternative to class pass. So how's it going? Uh, yeah. So that's, that's my journey in like a couple couple minutes, but yeah. How was it? But, so how, how are what you're doing right now? How are you making money? Uh, so the, so we ha have a network of gyms um, and the gyms pay or uh, the user pays us a membership. Okay. And they get unlimited access in any facility we have in our network. So is it uh, kind of like class pass, like class yeah, pass kind of? Yeah, it's that, but it, it, but it's an unlimited version, right? So you can go unlimited times in any facility, and it's more attractive. It's a more attractive financial model for the gyms because class pass pays uh, very very poorly. And we also try to do events in the community. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Minnesota Vixen, but we were planning an event. Uh, we planned an event with them to raise funds for a local charity uh, by hosting yeah. work at, at uh, the different gyms. So nice. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. It's super early right now though. But. So on a, on a $40 membership, how much of that would the club owner get? Um, so we, we, we take 10% off the top and then it's allocated Temp based on usage. Yeah. So it's allocated based on usage. So if you went, if they went to your gym five times, um, and they went to another gym that costs a hundred bucks five times, you both get half your membership. And then a, a piece of a leftover because it would be more expensive. So it's a, it's just it's allocated based on the time you spend at your facility. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So. All right. So, yeah, man. So, um, but getting to you, I'm curious. Uh, as I was doing some research and, and uh, listening to some of your podcasts, your your journey kind of started out when you you started working for your dad at your. Uh, he had like a grocery store or something, right, or a convenience store. Yeah. Yeah, my that? dad. Well, my father had a, a grocery store in the small town that I grew up in. And yeah. um, so he gave me at eight years old, he gave me an opportunity to run this, uh, to run this little popcorn stand out in front of his store. So that's, that was my first introduction to, to, to work, to a, an actual job. And uh, it was, you know, I didn't know at the time that um, some of the life lessons that I would learn at eight years old would still carry through today. That, uh, you know, it's just great, great lessons and, and great for a young kid to, to experience. What were some of those lessons? Like, what did you well, I mean, the, the, the first one that I learned straight away was that I remember one morning uh, or one afternoon, my dad walks, he walks past me. He walks about 40 feet past me and he, he stops and he pivots, turns, starts heading right back for me. He stops right in front of me and says, hey, son, how are sales? And I said, well, they're kind of slow. And uh, I was going to give him this big explanation as to why business was slow. And he said, Peter, they're slow because... You're not getting out from behind the desk. You got to get out from behind that desk and go ask people if they'd like some of your popcorn. So it was a great lesson. So for me, for that moment, I literally got out from behind that counter and I'd walk up to people, complete strangers, pull on their sleeve and say, hey, would you like some popcorn? Well, hell, these people, you know, it's hard to say no to a little eight-year-old boy. And uh, what I learned that lesson there was, hey, look, if you want something, you got to go get it. So it was a great life lesson for me. 
And that, that's true in life today that, you know what, dream, if you're going to dream, dream big and, and then go get it. Don't, uh, don't wait for something to fall in your lap. It just doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I actually really like that a lot because I feel like in today's like company building space, everybody feels like you gotta, you gotta go raise money. Like you gotta go raise money to go build this thing. Like you can start and, and, and like money is like a shortcut, right? Like it, it would make it easier yeah. for you to go with people. But, but you, for example, you bootstrapped snap fitness. So it's, it's very yeah. possible. And, and, it's it. and I had a, you know, the good fortune for me is yeah, I had an opportunity when I was in my early twenties to, to, to try to turn around a failing gym and, and my compensation was only $16,000 a year, but they, they, they said, look, Peter, if you can turn this thing around, we'll let you buy us out with the profits. Cause the owners at the time, they were, they were tired of it. This thing was losing money every year, a couple hundred thousand dollars. They were over it. So they yeah. said, look, let us, if you can tr- turn this thing around, we'll let you buy us out with the profits. Well, that's all I needed at the time. I was living in Orlando, Florida, playing racquetball and, um, and you know, I knew that racquetball for me was just a, a conduit for whatever my next thing was. And I didn't, honestly, I didn't know what it was, but it was a chance for me to travel around the country playing playing something that I love to do. But I knew you couldn't make a living at it. You couldn't make any real money. So uh, I, you know, I needed, I needed to figure out what my, what my next thing was gonna be. And this opportunity just kind of came, came about through racquetball. And um, I, I did that for 20 years. I ran up there, I ran that club, I turned it around and, uh, and I was fearless, you know, once I had, once I bought the, the owners out, I went and got a loan and leveraged that first club to build another club. And I, I did that seven times and did it seven times. I did it 20 years. And it wasn't until I sold that, I sold it when I was in my late thirties. And then I started Snap Fitness about eight months later, a year later. And, uh, yeah. and I, when I started Snap, I didn't get any loans. I did it with my own money. And mm-hmm. I started Snap Fitness with about 300,000 cash. And, um, you know, I did, it, it, I knew that I, I wanted to make sure that my product was relevant and, and, uh, something that, that the consumer would gravitate to. And, and, you know, things, things worked out. I, from, from that 20 years experience in the industry, I knew that I had to bring something to the market that was a little bit different, what might feel a little bit more, a little bit unconventional, but yet val- high value driven. Mm-hmm. So my timing was impeccable. I mean, I honestly, the people loved it and. You know, I grew it, subsequently grew it into one of the largest wellness brands in the world. That is absolutely bananas. What, yeah. were some of the lessons, what were some of the lessons that you learned, like, while building, like, the other brand? Because I'm sure that translated into built, like, like as soon as you, as soon as you had the cash, you knew how to build a big fitness brand. It was just, kind of, it, you know what I mean? Like, what were some of those yeah, lessons it, you learned building that? Well, you know, it was a lot of just, a lot of common sense. I mean, common sense goes a long way in business. And for me... Um, what, what, what prompted me to start snap fitness was some of the, one of the guys that I had worked with for about 12, 13 years, he didn't like who I'd sold the business to. It was a different culture that, than what, than it was when I was running the company. And he just said, would you, well, yeah, this was, this was in uh, Minnesota. Okay. uh, Yeah. In Minnesota. And so he just said, look, would you, would you consider building a club for me? Um, you know, I know that you don't, you're not interested in getting back into the trenches like you were before, but would you consider it? And I said no to him several times before I finally started thinking, you know, what if, what if I pull out the swimming pools and the aerobic classes and the racquetball courts? And before I knew it, I had this club that was, you know, literally, uh, four to 5,000 square feet. And, 
And instead of having 50 employees, I had two. So the unit level economics worked and I, mm-hmm. I tested it in a market in, in Minnesota. And within 90 days, I sold enough memberships in 90 days to cash flow it for the year. And yeah. that it was at that point that I was, I was mildly surprised. And a few months later, I said, you know what? I'm gonna build you another one. I built another one in a mid-sized market and same performance because the unit level economics of each location fell into place. My overhead in the urban markets, the big metropolitan cities, overhead is more, but I can charge more. So the unit level economics fall in place. In the mid-sized market, everything seems to ratchet down accordingly. And the last club that I built was in a town of 3,500 people. That was the third club. I built it in a little town, Cocado, Minnesota. I know 3,500 people. Yeah, little sleepy little one, one or two stoplight town for real. And yeah. when I built it there, I thought there's no way it's going to work here. Same performance. Sold enough memberships in 90 days to cash flow for the year. And it was at that point that I said, I've got something that's scalable. So once again, common sense. I, I proved to myself, I validated the product. It worked in an urban market, a midsize and a small market. I knew that what I had, I could, I could repeat. It was scalable. So then I just went down the process of setting up systems and processes to be able to execute at a high level. Um, I didn't know how high, I didn't know how many I would build at the time. I had no idea. Um, but I, you know, I know this, you know, think small, be small. So I built it uh, in a way that, that if, if it took off, I could just plug in human resources and, and be able to scale up accordingly. And, and that's what I did after I started the company in the fifth year of opening, I opened 377 stores in one year, five years after I started the idea. So it was a great, great, you know, it was great vision, but more importantly, it was unbelievable execution on a great vision. So what I'm really curious about is how you got those first 90, like in those first 90 days, we were able to get those memberships. Like, what was that like? Because I'm sure that's something that you probably passed on to uh, your different franchisees. Was it like getting to know the members or what was that? You know, you know what, in, in, I think in any gym today, the having, um, a connection with your members matters. All right. It's not, and today it's not about faster treadmills or heavier weights. It's about the community that you can create within your four walls. Yeah. What, what resonated with the people back when I started snap fitness 15 years ago is I said, I said, look, no contract. And I was one of the first to say no contract. And my, my battle cry was, look, I'm going to give you an affordable price. I'm going to deliver value. So lots of cardio, lots of strength, lots of selectorized equipment, no contract. Meaning, look, if I don't if I if I don't earn your business, earn your trust every month, you just quit. It's that simple. So, I, I was not a fan of trying to shackle people into these long term contracts. I said, look, I got to get up every day and I've got to earn your business, and that resonated with people. You know, people kept telling me, "Hey, Peter," and there was you know in a lot of the interviews that I did when I was when I was just blowing this this company up, um, most of the interviews were saying, "Peter, you know what 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 we love about this product is it's so consumer facing. It's you know what? You, you put your money where your mouth is. That you, that if, if you don't deliver on your promise, I can quit with no strings attached. It's that simple. Interesting. So they like that. They like that ability. They like to have you accountable like that, right? Versus being forced yeah. into a contract. And you know what? If you just put yourself in the shoes of the consumer, if you do that every time, so you, if you're in a consumer-facing business, you have to put yourself in the eyes of the consumer to make sure that you're always relevant. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I do consulting today. 
and I'm, I'm listening to people talk about their business, they feel stuck or they're not getting traction or this or that. Mm -hmm. I always, the first thing I talk about is the relevance of their product as compared to their competition. Because relevance is not what you or I think, it's what the customer thinks. And the customer is gonna validate your product based on, based on loyalty. If you yeah. suck at what you do, they're gonna leave because there's, I mean, think about health clubs. There's one on every corner. I mean, mm -hmm. you name it. It's, you know, and now there's all these boutique little studios from former trainers who wanna, who wanna own their own gym. I mean, it's, look, it's a very, very competitive space we're in. Mm -hmm. Totally. And we've seen that, especially in the boutique space, which is where we're kind of like, we're, we're doing what yeah. we do right now. Is there's, there's hundreds of hundreds of them just in the Twin Cities, right? And yeah, it's, it's the fastest growing segment. It's the fastest growing segment within the wellness space. And it's been the fastest growing segment for the last three years. And I'll tell you why, because there's no barrier to entry. You know what? I can rent a space. Most of the most of the gyms that are doing well today are group fitness, functional training type vibe, like a Barry's Boot Camp or an Orange Theory. So you don't need some huge space. Um, and they just go in there and you know what? If you've got if you've got a few pieces of equipment and some and some functional training area, you can you can do it. You can get it done. And then mm -hmm. chase it, back it up with some nutrition consulting. So you can I mean I always say it all the time, you know, abs are made in the kitchen. Yeah, I get people all the time say, Peter, how do you stay so lean and this and that? And they think, fuck, dude, you must train five hours a day. And I go, no, like 45, 50 minutes a day because I've been doing it since I've been 13. I've never stopped. And but it's all accountability. I weigh myself every day. Every day I weigh myself. And and, you know, for me, my fighter weight is between 178 and 182. That's where I like to be. And if I get above 182, I just, I push the plate away. I start dialing in my, my nutrition a bit more. But if I get below 178, I, I eat a little bit more. I take in a little bit more calories. And people say, God, Peter, you're neurotic. I say, God, it, it's, it's got nothing to do with being neurotic. It's got to do with being accountable. 100%. 100%. Most people aren't, right? So, like, and I'm sure that's why, like, I feel like how you do one thing is how you do everything. So you just you doing that here is like you do the same thing in business and most people don't do that. So maybe that's why they, they think it is. Yeah, it's, you know, you're exactly right. You know what? And, and um, I just, when, when I start, like when I, the one of the first companies I took over, I, I went into these people and I said, um, look, we are not going to be average anymore. You know, the leadership, I changed the leadership within the company and we're not going to be fucking average anymore. So that's where it's going to start right here, right now. So if you get it, if you, when you roll out of bed in the morning, if you just think you're going to skate through the day, it's not going to work out. So it, people loved it. People loved that, that kind of cowboy cavalier, you know, but I would lead the charge. I would not, I would not dictate, Hey, you do this, you do that. And even with snap fitness, if there, if it snowed the night before and I, and I got to work and there was snow on the sidewalk, I'd shovel it. Right. And I wouldn't have a jacket on because I grabbed the shovel by the time I hassle to go back into my office, get my jacket. I just grab the shovel and I go to town and I knock it out in 10 minutes. No big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And many of my employees would come in and and or walk by and say, hey, Peter, here, let me get that. Let me get that. Because the thought of the founder CEO shoveling the walk, it's just some people materially, they, they, they think that that's that that's not necessary, but it's totally necessary. Because it, it tells your staff, hey, look, I'm above nothing. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I can't do myself. And by the time I go, I walk around and try to find someone to do this, I could have had it done, right? So 
it's a great message that people know that you're going to hop in the trenches with them. That's that's how you get people to jump on a hand grenade when it comes in the room. That that's how you get customer loyal or how you get uh, employee loyalty. That you go to bat for them every day. Well, and I think that that's beautiful. I mean, that creates such a great culture. No question. Yeah. My like, question. I'm going to go inside because it's hotter than Dutch love out here right now. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Um, well, so, so my friend Igor, the guy who started that sportswear brand, that like that was something that he was very big on too. Like, for example, when we were going to one of the trade shows, he carried the samples into the building. Like, you know, what I mean, he you know, he's a guy who runs like a 2,500 person company, and he was willing to do that just just because he's yeah. But it, it showed that he was willing to do whatever. Oh my yeah, I see that you're sweating. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you just gotta be. You know, some people they talk a good game, but they don't, they don't show up. And and you know, I talk about that a lot today in my life. I talk about how do you want to, how do you want to show up in in your life, and you know, which is why I'm today. When you think about my business, that I've, I've been, I mean, I. If you'd ask me today, hey Peter, did you think fifteen years ago you were going to have six thousand locations in twenty eight countries? Did you think you were going to do that? You know, the, the fair response is, no, I didn't. I, I honestly, I didn't think I'd have 6,000. I didn't. I mean, fuck, I, I thought I was capable of it, but I wasn't, you know, I knew that I could, I knew that I was capable of building a brand that would be one of the largest wellness brands in the world. And I set it up to be that, but I'd be, you know, I'd be completely arrogant to say, yeah, no, I knew it all along. I, I mean, that's just not the case. So Go ahead. The biggest wellness brands. Like, did you just have that feeling, or just from testing that product? Like, you said, you, you said you knew you didn't know all along, right? But you said you were going to build one of the biggest. Yeah. I, the biggest well, brands. I knew, I knew that my product was relevant because because of the the growth, the how fat, how quickly I was growing, and uh, so that that matter. I mean, the franchisees were. I was selling franchises and and the members were coming in. That's half the battle. I mean, that's that's the validation that it's not just that I was able to sell franchises, but that people, the general public were willing to come in and buy a membership. So that's the validation. And so today and we believe me in 15 years, we've had to reinvent ourselves two or three times. And, and yeah, and 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 for real, some of our franchisees have not evolved and they, you know, there's a, there's a high probability that they will close because the consumer is not going to settle for, you know, a, a, a product that was relevant 10 years ago, but it's not relevant today. So what were some of, what were some of those evolutions? Like you, you guys had to evolve twice. What was that like? Like, I'm actually really well, curious. Like, to, like you had to, you had to reinvent yourself as a company. That's not like an easy thing to do, right? You said it's so casual. No, it's, it's, it's costly and it's expensive. I mean, the, yeah. we, when we started the company, it used to be you could you could we were twenty four hour access. You belong to one, you belong to them all. No contract, and typically thirty five dollars a month. That was my go to market strategy. Okay, and my point of difference was no contract. Now the consumer loved that because they said, "Look, no contract," and and it wasn't so much that they loved that, but they loved the manner of how I introduced it by saying, "Hey, look, it was all in the message." I said, look, if I don't deliver on my promise every day, you should be able to quit. If I suck at what I do, I should be able to quit, which is people are like, yeah, I be- that's exactly right. You know what I mean? I mean, how many times have you, be- 
have you belong to a health club and you try to quit and you got to show them proof of moving and all this nonsense, absolute nonsense. It's a health club membership for crying out loud. It's not a, it's not a, a house payment or a car payment. It's a gym membership. And you're going to try to affect my credit because I want to quit your gym because it's filthy and you suck at what you do. It's just not fair. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not right. It's not fair. So that's, so that's what I went to market with and the people loved it. But within seven or eight years, we said, look, we've got to integrate. The first integration we had to do, we had to incorporate heart rate based training, meaning every time a member joins, we got to give them some sort of a, of a heart rate monitor, because if I can't measure your effort, I can't get you to the promised land. I mean, let's just be real about it. Pedometers and accelerometers, those are all bullshit. Literally, I've got to measure your heart rate. Because if I know how hard you're willing to work, because your heart will not lie, you can't fake it. So giving onboarding members, the onboarding process had to change. It had to become more technical, more sophisticated. That was great. People loved it. It resonated. And, and we knew that we were innovators. So we screamed it from the mountaintops. We didn't want to be the best kept secret. We screamed it from the mountaintops. And we said, look, we're going to onboard you with a heart rate monitor. And we're going to guarantee results or we'll give you your money back. Right. Which I'm a big fan of today. I'm getting ready to launch a CBD oil company and my CBD oil company is going to be better than anything else that's out there. And I'm telling people, hey, look, my market cry is going to be, look, if you don't have a noticeable difference, I'll give you your money back. No questions asked. I'll give you your money back because it's not I'm at a place in my life where I say, look, you know what? I put my money where my mouth is and, and it works. Right. For me to endorse something, I've got I've had to have had to try it myself and feel the results because. I'm done making money. I, I pulled over $100 million out of my company. I'm done. I'm done chasing the dollar. I can check that box. So now it's about, you know, I'm continuing to, to feed my, my hunger to, to be relevant in whatever it is I'm doing. Uh, my philanthropy, helping the underdog, doing what I'm doing right now with you. I do this about five times a week. Wow. You know, I, talk, I talk to young entrepreneurs. I do podcasts. And, and I do these things. I do the podcast, like social media. Shit, six months ago, I wasn't in, so I wasn't, I had like a thousand followers on Instagram, okay? Maybe 3,000, okay? But when I put my hat in the ring, I started screaming from the mountaintops. I said, hey, look, there's so much fake bullshit out there, so let's just set the record straight. So these guys that are sitting there in front of jets they don't own and Ferraris and look, it's, I just, and fanning, fanning hundred dollar bills. I said, look, it's all bullshit. Let me tell you. So that jet, that's mine. The Ferrari's mine. And here's the other story. It's hard fucking work. So don't, don't think that you're going to go into business and it's going to be, you know, you're going to be working three, four hours a day and, and uh, you're just going to be spending your time golfing and golfing and fishing throughout the summer. No, man, it's sacrifice. It's commitment. It's discipline. It's all those things. And, it's seven days a week, 24 hours a day. As you know, when you have a business, man, you never get away from it, right? It's, so now the, the struggle needs to be, and, and that's what I help people with. I said, look, you got to have balance in your life. So let's talk about how do we manage that balance, you know, that, that, that work balance, your family balance, your faith balance, all of it. How do we get it all in check? Otherwise, you're going to be like me, it, you know. You're going to spend 30 years with your head down driving and you're going to be unbelievably successful, God willing, but you're going to, you're going to wake up and you're going to look back and you're going to go, wow, uh, that was, I don't know that that was, I don't know that that was worth it. 
and you don't get a do over, right? Yeah. So that's that's a, that's a very interesting take. So, huh? So you're not sure that way what you did was worth it, like going the way that you the way that well, you did it was worth it. Well, here's the reality. The reality. Every one of us doesn't matter who you are, how much you have in the bank. We all get 24 hours a day. You don't get any more and you don't get any less. So you need to choose them wisely. Choose, choose what you, how you spend it very wisely. All right. So for me, I get, I get asked all the time, Hey, Peter, what would you have done differently? And my response doesn't change. I tell them, I wish I would have danced more. And what I mean by that is, is figuratively speaking, I wish I would have, um, enjoyed the ride a little bit more. Now, I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but I'll give you an example. I would fly to Australia where I have clubs. I'd fly to Australia. I would, I would fly business class. So because for me, sleeping, trying to get some rest on the flight, because I know when I hit the ground, I'm on, right? So I would, I'd fly business. I would land and I would literally work 16, 17-hour days for three days and hop on a plane and fly back. It takes a day to get there and it takes a day to get back, right? Most people would have extended that trip. They'd say, look, I'm in Australia. I'm going to chill for a few days. Under, you know, I'm going to hang out for a while. No. I mean, for 15 years, I would fly in, do my work, and fly back. So those things, even you know, on weekends, if I had work to do, I got it done because I knew that there was thousands of franchisees out there that were depending on me to do my job. And, you know, you're either going to own, you're either going to own that responsibility or you're not. Yeah. Interesting. And so what were, what were some of the things that you did to, to help balance it out? Like, or, or looking back, would you have done differently to balance it out? Well, I would have, I would have, I probably, you know, I would have done a little bit more delegation of some things. Um, like shoveling the snow. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that, but I dare I'd knock that up in 10 minutes, but I would have delegated a little bit more, but probably as I sit here and I think about it now, I don't know that I could have because, you know, it's the decisions, the material decisions when you're going, when you're growing at the pace that I was growing, that all the decisions you make are material. Okay. And, and, uh, you don't want to put that, you don't want to put it. Put it like this, you know what? There are some athletes uh, that, you know, pitchers, you know, um, uh, Stoltz as an example, he pitched for the, for the uh, um, Braves. I golfed with him one time and I said, man, when it's, you know, it's, it's the bottom of the ninth, you've got a, you've got a one, you've got a one run lead and, and the opponent has bases loaded. And, you know, is that nerve wracking? Is, how does that feel for you? And he says, there's no place I'd rather be. There's no, there's no one more qualified than me. I want that ball. So, you know, just like Tom Brady, you know what, when there's a, when there's a minute left on the clock and they're down by four, he knows what he needs to do. And there's no one that he trusts more with that ball than himself. Right. So there are times when you're making decisions for hundreds of families, which is all of your employees for, for hundreds, thousands of franchisees, they're, they're banking on you to make the right call. So, those are those are decisions that you don't want to put in the hands of anyone else. What was your guys' growth rate at the beginning? I remember you said you guys were growing like crazy. Do you know what your growth well, rate was? I'm just yeah, curious. We, we went for we went for 
we grew from zero to a thousand clubs, a thousand locations open, not, not sold, but I'm talking open doors. I went from zero to a thousand locations in five years. That's the, that's the fastest any co-ed fitness center has ever grown. Co-ed. Now curves grew, curves grew at a fast rate, but they're, they're the all in for that product was $35,000. I mean, my all in is 250 to 350,000. So it's amazing when you think about the, the, the pace of which we grew. But like I said, one year, I opened 377 stores in one year. That's amazing. That is so impressive. My That's gosh. opening one. And you, you know what's even more impressive? If you had walked in my, my, my global headquarters, which is right there in Chanhassen, Minnesota. That's like right down the road from me, actually. Yeah. If you had walked into my building, you would not see people running around with their hair on fire. You think about it that we have – a club opening every day, but the system that I laid out, every my, my job was to make sure everybody stays in their lane and, you know, everybody stays in their lane. And if everyone stays in their lane, it's just like a football team or I equate everything, a lot of stuff to sports. You know what? Don't worry about the quarterback's job. Worry about your job. Right? So mm-hmm. when, when a lot of times when, when I was having staff meetings or department head meetings, when somebody would pipe in on somebody else's division, I would let them talk for a little bit, but then I'd say, okay, wait a minute. That's, that's not, you've got to stay, you've got to worry about what you have going on in your department. Right. And because he's got what he's doing and it's my job to make sure that everybody is in their lane and they're doing their job. And if, and making sure that they have all the necessary resources to do their job. Cause to me, I can't not give them the resources and then complain that they're not getting the job done. So it's, you know, it's all about balance and you gotta, and that's why when you talk about, why did you work so much? You think about it. It's like the quarterback on a football team. R- Rich Gannon's a friend of mine. And Rich, Rich used to tell me, he not only needs to know all the plays, he needs to know the job of every player, every offensive player on the team. Okay? So every position, he needs to know their job. So think about that. He not only needs to know his job, he needs to know the job of the, the, the whole offensive, the offensive line, all the backs, everyone. So that's a big big job man it, you know when he puts it in that perspective it's a lot of work that, that seems like that was your job at, at snap fitness right you were like the quarterback well, you had to know everybody's position and everyone because how can you hold people accountable if you don't know exactly what it is they're supposed to do mm-hmm. so you, do. you know you you lean in and you understand it and you know it's just like the operations manual of snap fitness i wrote it you know i wrote it which is which is not only where the signs go in the in the in the location I leave nothing to chance. The lighting configuration, the signage, the, the color palette, all of it. So because if you don't give if you don't give franchisees the direction that they need to go, you're going to get willy nilly. You're going to get people that are putting signs wherever they want to. There's going to be no rhyme or reason. And, and you can't have consistency. There's a reason when you go into McDonald's, all the fries taste the same and the burgers taste the same mm-hmm. because they follow a process and you need to trust the process. Hundred percent. Yeah. Something that I don't think most people know about you is you you were actually a professional racquetball player. I was. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know I, what? That's a great, that's a great lesson in itself because I yeah. I start, I picked up a racket for the first time when I was thirteen, and I remember when I was about fifteen, I was one of the better players in my little hometown. Okay. I was. Grew up? It was in Wilmer. Wilmer. Oh, you grew up in Wilmer? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Way out there. Way out there. Wow. Yeah. So, 
and I was beating, I was one, I was probably, you know, definitely one of the top two or three players in the, in the whole community. Right. So I, I was thinking, and I'm a young kid, I'm 15 and I had a big head and I'm thinking, okay, I'm pretty good at this game. I remember telling my mom, there was a junior national tournament in Minneapolis. And I remember telling my mother, I, I want to go play in this junior national tournament. I think, I think I got I have a chance of winning in it. And I was basing that off of everyone I was playing in my town. I mean, there was nobody my age or even close to my age that I couldn't beat badly, right? So I went to this tournament in Minneapolis. My first match, I got beat 21-1, 21-3, okay? <laughs> I don't know racquetball, but that sounds bad. <laughs> I, was, I was mortified. I was embarrassed. But I tell you what, I saw racquetball played in a whole different level, in a whole new light, right? Yeah. So the punchline is I went back to my hometown and I played and I played and I played. I mean, I, I was, I was so intense because now I saw, I visibly saw what I needed to be able to do. And within two years, I was, I was a sponsored professional player. So that tells you how, how much I played and how, 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 man, I was being average was not going to work for me. So and so I was a touring pro by the largest racket manufacturer in the world. So it was not some little Bush League sponsorship. It was a great sponsorship. And I, I got to travel around the country. And, and every time a new club would open up, we'd go in and we'd put on exhibition and clinics and things like that. So I loved it. You couldn't make any real money at it, but uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And that's actually crazy. I the same as track and field. You can't make any money in track and field, really. But unless you're Usain Bolt. Um, yeah, no, but- exactly. <laughs> I'm curious, like, well, one, how you how you got into the first place, uh, like in a racquetball, because I feel like that's a weird sport, especially in Wilmer. But also, yeah. um, the lessons you learned there and how that translated into Snap Fitness and your other businesses, because I'm sure, well, you, my, like, to go pro in two years, that's an incredible feat. And so I'm sure, like, I know. the process that you developed, yeah, in business, right? Well, I tell you, I my by there was a, a racquetball club that opened up in my hometown, and there was five business owners that owned that club, and that and my father was one of the five guys that own own the club so i went in one day and played on a sunday prior to that i was playing football baseball basketball typical yeah. traditional sports and uh but when i went in and played that sport it was a sport that i said look you know what immediately i was i was much better than average immediately so it's like a, some people they can pick up a bowling ball for the first time and they somehow have a way of always throwing it down the middle so with racquetball, it was the same thing for me that I, it would, it would, it, the, the sport came natural for me. So that's how I got introduced to it. It was through my father. And, um, and that's how I eventually got, came back to turn around this failing club. I spent so many hours in the gym that I could see what the manager was doing. I could see that he was not engaged, that he was not, he, he was not engaged in the members. He was not engaged in the community. He was just, he would just come in and sit there all day. I, I knew that because I saw him. And, I, and so I told the five owners, hey, look, you guys, if you want this thing to change, you got you to make a change because that result is not going to change itself. You got to get rid of him. You know? And I didn't say hire me. I just said, look, he's not your answer because I was getting ready to move to Orlando, which I did. I moved to Orlando. I had breakfast with those guys. I told them that message. And, and I literally got in my car and drove to Orlando, Florida to, to, to play the Sunbelt Tour. And I did tell those guys before I left, if you guys ever want to turn this club around, give me a call. And I, I didn't think they'd ever call me. A year and a half later, they called me. 
Wow. And that, so when you moved to Orlando, is that when you, you started with the other uh, com- company down there? The, or took yeah, over no, that, the, the yeah. wellness company? No, when I, I, moved down to, I moved down to Orlando and I just, I, all I did was play racquetball. Okay. All I did was, was work out and play racquetball and play tournaments every weekend. Okay. Wow. So I did, I did that. And then uh, I had this opportunity to go back to Minnesota. So I went back to Minnesota and tried to turn around that failing club. And that's, that was the window of opportunity that I needed. All I needed was that window of opportunity. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think that the five owners at the time, I don't think they, they thought I had a chance in hell of turning that business around. I think that yeah. they looked at it and they probably thought it was a Hail Mary. Right. But the reality of it is, you know, they, they paid me $16,000 a year, but they never put a ceiling on how much equity I could acquire if I was able to turn it around. And it wasn't just, it wasn't losing money a little bit every year. It was losing 200,000 a year. So every year these five owners had to, had to, had to kick in, you know, 40, 50,000 each a year. Well, actually, I, I actually, uh, kind of disagree with you on the one point that they were that it was a Hail Mary. I think that like for, for you to go and say to them like, hey, this guy sucks, like to have the courage at such a young age to go and say, hey, this guy sucks and you guys aren't going to have a successful business at such a young age. I think that probably said something to them like, hey, this guy actually is very aware about the business sense. Like, I don't know, I, like at least yeah. at least for me, like if I had if I had a gym and I had some young person come in and say to me like, you, this is what you need to do to be successful. I would listen and I would think that, hey, like maybe he actually, you know what I mean? Because you're, you're yeah, there every yeah, day. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. But here's the, the, one of the biggest character building moments that I experienced in that club was the, the second day that I went to work. The first day that I went there, um, I walked through the club and it was very apparent to me that the club needed a deep cleaning, a deep cleaning. It was a pig pen. So I, ha- I told the entire staff, I had an all staff meeting. I said, Everybody come tomorrow in cleaning clothes. We're going to deep clean this club from front to back, right? So I show up the next day and everybody's there. And before I get started, this woman steps forward and she says, Peter, before you, before we get going here, I'd like to say something. And I said, well, uh, uh, please go ahead. And she says, um, we're not, we weren't hired to clean. And I said, uh, all right. So that, that to me, that was a moment of truth. So what she's, I could have gone one of two ways. I could have said, you know what? You're right. Um, that That's not what you were hired for. And those of you who want to stay and help me clean, I appreciate it. Those of you who don't want to clean, that's fine. You can leave. Okay. That would have been one path. Or the other path, which I chose, is I said to her, looked her in the eye and I said, look, and you also don't have a job. And I pointed to the door. Now, believe me. You could have heard a pin drop in that room because now you keep in mind, I'm 22 years old. I'm probably the youngest employee of the company that I now run. Okay. So it was a, it was a holy shit moment for everybody because it was like, this guy's not playing right now. Mm-hmm. She ended up staying and the, and the four people behind her ended up staying. But the message was, look, we're not going to be average anymore. So today is the last day of being average. We are going to clean this club and we are going to, and we are going to have, we're going to focus on the members and we're going to be accountable to the members. And, and I'm going to do what I can here to try to give this club some sort of a facelift. And I went back to the owners and I said, look, do we have any kind of a, of a, of a club improvement or marketing budget? They go, no, we don't have anything. So I got creative. I, I went to the community and I started bartering. 
I remember I went to a carpet store and I said, look, I need carpet. I don't have money, but I have memberships. So if you give me, if you give me carpet, I'll give you memberships for all of your employees and their families. And to my surprise, he said, okay. So I started renovating my club and I, and I was very smart about how I did it. I started in the front lobby of the club because if I, if I just took the carpet and sprinkled it in little areas around the club, it wouldn't be noticeable. But when people started walking in the front door and they saw fresh carpet and that fresh glue smell, and that carpet glue smell, and, 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 they, and they saw that I was, you know, I hired painters and electricians and plumbers and carpet. Nothing, nothing was off the table and everything I bartered, everything I could. Well, wow. believe me, the community started, they started to rally behind me. And within five years, I took that business from losing 200000 to making 250000 So just that quick, it started turning because I was in the local parades. I would go to, I would go to the Chamber of Commerce, get a list of every business in the community. I would go to those businesses and offer them free passes to come and try my club. Because I knew this, if, if, I, if they didn't walk through my front door, I didn't have an opportunity to sell. And that, so the key was get people in my door. Once I get them in the door, then I can try to sell them. But, I, but if I can't get them in the door, I can't sell. And uh, it, it worked out. Well, it showed you care too, right? Like doing all that stuff, you showed you actually cared about your members and your people. Yeah, they did. And you know what? I had, I had about 1,250 members in my, members in my club. And... Uh, you know, I knew, I knew most of them. I, I probably knew 70% of them on a first name basis wow, because I made, a point to, I, I made a point to, I would be during the peak hours, I would be behind the desk, behind the front desk. So, mm-hmm. because I wanted to see, I wanted the members to see me. I would, I would be giving them a towel and a locker key. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and I would give them a towel and a locker key and say, Hey, have a great workout, right? Have a great workout. And when they and when they would come back to give me that towel back, I'd say, "Hey, thanks for coming in. Hope to see you tomorrow." Just that interaction with the members—it's it's everything. And that that same customer appreciation—it's relevant today. You know that that will never leave. People want to be noticed and they want to be appreciated. Hundred percent. Uh, could you excuse me for like thirty seconds? I really have to run to the bathroom. I had too much yeah. green tea this morning. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no worries. About that. Yeah, I'm fill mine up. So sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I have, no worries at all. I have this big thing of green tea. I have it every morning and must have had too much. So no, hey, it's right. you know it's a good good way to start. Pardon? I start my day with with a lot of things. With the, I drink uh, lemon lemon uh, water lemon water with cayenne pepper. So I start with that for the first hour. All right, and then because that, that'll start your metabolism. That cayenne, yeah, lemon lemon ginger. Yeah, just take water. So you take that little cup that you have right there. Just just take that with with lemon and lemon and ginger and then cayenne pepper. Have your first glass be that, right? And and do that for the first hour, and then from there, like now now I'll I'll start with some with some juices. So I have some. So I try. I don't. Yeah, I don't hit any hard food until you know after after twelve o'clock probably. Why is that? Just like to get. Here's what I found. I found that when I give my when I give my body the um, the necessary nutrients. So like the, this juice here, the, this is a company. It's called Spartan Detox. Okay. So Spartan Detox, they called me and they said, "Look, we'd like you to endorse our product." I said, "I can't endorse it if I don't know it." So you want if you want to give me give me some product. They're based out of Miami here. And I said, "You want to give me some product? I'll give it a go." 
Well, hell, I did a three-day detox with him. It's a three-day juice detox. And it, it felt amazing. I'd never done detox in my life. And uh, so I tried theirs and just felt amazing when I was done, right, with it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do that, like, literally one, once a month, I'm going to do a one-day detox. Because in the one day, literally, I, I lost about six pounds of, you know, probably water and waste, et cetera. So I'm going to... But I do a full three-day detox once every three three months or so. But I start my day with just good fuel. So okay. there you go. What kind of what, – what is, is that like carrot juice or, or is it just like vegetables? This, this one? Or, yeah. It's a, it's a mix. It's a blend of things as I'm tasting it. And every day, every – I'll have like six six different juices throughout the day. Yeah. But this – I can taste there's like – there's definitely carrots in there. There's probably um, beets in there and I can taste some celery and I can taste something sweet. If it's, you know, it's kind of like orange juice, something, there's something sweet in it. It's, it's good. It's very tasty. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Um, so where are we, where are we, what were we chatting about? We were chatting about uh, your, the you, you covered a lot. Yeah, you, got me, you got me for another five minutes. You asked me anything. Okay. You got um, me, you got me 11. You you gotta bounce at eleven. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can I can push it a little bit if I need to, but okay, yeah. no worries. You I mean you can have whenever. Just I I just appreciate you taking the time to chat. I, this is super yeah. fun. I've I've actually learned a lot, so I appreciate you. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, so I'd be curious to chat about your. So well, I mean, let's chat a little more about about Snap Fitness, and I'd be curious to like, hear about what you're doing now, like and stuff with your music festivals and whatnot. So, yeah. so I mean, I mean, oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say what, you know, what I'm doing now is so I, I stepped down as a CEO a year ago from Lyft Brands, a, a year ago, January. So I'm no longer involved in the day-to-day -day operations of the company at all. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I do that because I still own 44% of that company. And, um, and, uh, the next, the next, the, the private equity company that has it today, they will probably sell the company in two to three years is my guess. So mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we've got a good successor in there because if I, I told them I'm not going to be, I've, I've already sold the company twice. I've sold bits and pieces along the way, which is the right thing to do. Right. So, mm -hmm. to, so anyway, now I only do things that I truly enjoy. So like the uh, twin city summer jam, that, that's my music festival at Canterbury park. With so Tim McGraw, right? yeah, Tim McGraw, a pit bull. Uh, so this year I had to cancel it, but I had, I brought my boy Pitbull back. He's a great guy, a friend of mine here in Miami. But he would, I had him coming in headlining fr uh, Thursday. I had Zach Brown Friday and Carrie Underwood Saturday. But I had to pull a shoot. I had to pull a shoot on it uh, about a week and a half ago, um, just because it was the right thing to do. You know what? I couldn't. Nobody knows where this coronavirus is going to end. And even though I think that that um, the quarantine will be over by then. I don't, I still, I don't think human behavior that you're going to see people gathering in big groups like they were before. I personally think, you know, the, the media has got everybody so hyped up on this. I'll, I'll bet when we, when we're Christmas shopping this, this Christmas, I, I think you're still going to see people wearing masks and gloves or that, that's how crazy some people are. You know what I mean? This is not, it's not Armageddon. Everybody needs to calm down. And and uh, just, you know, kind of get a grip on it. And, you know, the reality of it is if, if everybody just stops and looks at the analytics, they're going to realize that 
the, the percentage of people that actually die from this, it's like less than 2%. And, and of those people that die, they've got, they've had complications. They've been outliers a little bit, you know, they've had some complication with it. So my, you know, my daughter had it. She, she, and her symptoms were, the, the, the symptoms are all over the board too. So some people, it doesn't affect their respiratory system at all. She had a sore throat. She had a headache for about four days. Sore throat she had for about six days. Um, she had some achy joints for about four, four or five days, but she lost her taste buds for about 10 days. Okay. Wow. Now she's a hundred percent. She's back fully normal. Right. And, um, but you know, she, she felt, you know, before if, 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 ever, if nobody had been talking about C19, she just would have hung out at home and laid in bed for a couple of days. You know what I mean? Cause she felt like shit, but it wasn't, it wasn't something she'd go to get, go to the hospital for. So, yeah. But anyway, though, so the music festival, uh, I, I do that. I've, I own a luxury camp in Africa, the, the Serengeti. That um, is super I, interesting. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. How'd you get involved with that? You know, a lot, it's a long story, but I, I you know, it started with, with, uh, with uh, the Ronald McDonald House, making a donation to the Ronald McDonald House years ago, years and years ago, and then um, to providing them a loan, um, one of the people that was involved in the Ronald McDonald House approached me about being a partner in this deal. There was five of us. And, and then about three years into it, they needed a, a, a significant loan, a seven-figure loan. And uh, so I said, look, guys, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not your guy because they, you know, the, the first loan was, the, the first investment was a couple hundred thousand dollars. I did it because my friend asked me. I didn't do a lot of due diligence. I trusted my friend. And it was not a lot of money, a couple hundred grand, not the end of the world. But when you come back and you want an, you you want a, a million plus dollar loan, now, now, now you're getting serious, right? So I said, look, I don't have any problem separating church and state. So when you're talking about that kind of money, now it's going to be documented. It's going to be, and if you default, I'm going to own the camp. So, and I don't want to own the camp. I don't want, I don't want it. So. You know, you be careful what you're asking for here because, you know, I, I, I'm willing to do it. And the same guy that approached me on the investment, I said, look, you put in half, I'll put in half. So I wasn't going to do it alone because it was really wasn't my thing. Well, here we sit today. He and I own it 50-50 and, and we love it. You know, we, we love that. We love the camp. It, it's been a hell of a lot of road rash and, and work. But if C-19 had not hit this year, we would have made good money this year. But C19 completely decimated our business. It's all 80% of our bookings have canceled. So, you know, people, people aren't hopping on planes to go to, go to Africa. So, yeah. well, there's no flight there now because of the, the yeah. Because of the restriction. Yeah. So, we, you know, we just got to hunker down. We've, we've, we've laid off about shit, 80, 85% of our employees, we've laid them off. And yeah. because we have no guests, you know, we're just maintaining our lodge and, you know, just make sure nobody comes onto our property and vandalizes it. Cause you're, you're, you're right. You're in the Serengeti for crying out loud, you know? So, so you're actually, you're, you're, is it, is it like a safari park or is it like, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. my camp, my camp is right. It's a, it's a, it's a, what they, what they call a temporary camp, but you would never know it. I'm right. I'm right outside the Serengeti. Cause you can't have, I'm right outside the Serengeti. Um, you'd never know it's a, it's a, it's a mobile camp because it's hardwood floors, it's generators, electricity lights bathtub showers you know you would not know you would not know the difference right uh, 
um, you know, permanent sidewalks leading to the tents. So it's beautiful. It's, it's a five-star lodge. So it's beautiful. That's crazy. How often do you get out there? Do you get out there quite a bit? Once a year. Oh, once a year. Yeah. Once a year. And it's amazing. And, and, you know, we have, you'll get up some mornings, there'll be elephants drinking out of our swim. We have a swimming pool there too, as well. There'll be elephants drinking in the pool. We've had lions drinking out of the swimming pool. So it's it's an amazing experience. Really is. Dang. That man. I dabble around in some real estate as well. So I have, I'm in the music business. I love that. I love the safari. I love Tassa, Tassa Lodge. I love it. I own a lot of real estate. I do that. Um, my latest project though, is I'm getting ready to launch a CBD oil company called Elevera, Elevera Wellness Products. E-L- yeah, it's just, we're just getting ready doing the final touches on that. Yeah, but E-L-E-V-A-R-E, Elevera uh, eloverlabs.com. Okay. Anyway, but we're, we'll, we'll start going live with this, start promoting selling product here in probably the next two weeks. So how'd you get involved with that? Like the CBD stuff? Are you very much? In the yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of it. Um, you know, I'm a fan of it and, uh, and I've been a fan of it for a while. And I think CBD oil is the, is the, is the Tylenol of future for real. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. For real. I, I love it. It, it I mean, if you've got any problems sleeping at night, it's great for that joint stiffness. I use a face cream that is great. Um, and but the 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 woman that that is my uh, essentially biologist or botanist, she's won the the Jack Hare Award two years in a row. Which which is the products that she makes is tested against twenty thousand other products in the space, and it's and it's a it's a it's an award that's given to the what's deemed to be the best products in the market. And, and she, she has it. I mean, she, she gets it. And which is why when I, when I tried her product after trying other products, hers is it's, it's all about what the product is suspended in and how, how quickly it's absorbed. I mean, she, our, our product has over a 90% absorption rate where, where a lot of the others are sub sub 20%. But so, you know, I, I love, I love the product and the product works. So I'm an advocate for it. But it's all e-tail, all e-tail though. It's not, no brick and mortar. I'm just checking it out now. I really like, on on the website here, um, how you guys have all the different statistics and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah, we're still, we're still, you know, they're literally going through scrubbing at typos. We haven't promoted it at all, at all. Well, I wish you the best of luck on that. I hope the launch goes well. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to, when I launch it, I'll be using, I'll be launching it through a lot of my social media influencer friends. Okay. So, yeah. So that's, like I said, it's all e-tail. So you'll see a lot of, you know, swipe up in order. You know? Well, I, I have a couple of friends, maybe they're probably not nearly as big as uh, your friends on social media, but uh, no, know, maybe I can no, it's, help you it's all good. And the, the also, the good part too is people can become an affiliate so they become an affiliate. So if, if you're an influencer, then you can become an affiliate. And then you, we, we give you the links to some different promotional things where you, can, where you can create an Instagram ad. And if someone swipes up and they order a product, you get 10% commission on everything they order. 10%. And it's for the life of that customer. So even like, like yourself, you could become an affiliate. I don't care if you have 1,000 followers. You could become an affiliate and you could run an ad, Right. And, and if any of your followers swipe up and order product, you get a 10% commission. 
you know, which, and we're not taking, we're not, our price point on our product is, is right there with everyone else's, but being I'm only e-tail, there's enough margin there for me where I could say, look, I'm fine leveraging my influencers and friends and whatnot to become affiliates. Mm -hmm. And it's for the life of the product. It's for the life of the customer too, which is great. If the customer orders something, you get 10% commission. If they come back three months later and order again, you get commission on that too for, 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 for one year. Huh? It's cool. So what, what, what's your vision for it then? Like, do you see this being like a global CBD brand or replacing Tylenol or? Yeah. Hey, look, I don't know. It's, it's set up to be, you know, my shipping, I can ship into 220 countries. So I've leveraged, I've leveraged a lot of my stuff from just business, my, you know, the payment processing side of it, the shipping and fulfillment side of it, um, you know, the product manufacturing, the design of the, the packaging, all of it, the logo design, all of it. So, you know, it's, it's a, uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm super excited for you, man. Well, yeah. I also want to be, I also want to be super respectful of your time. I know you, you probably need to bounce here. Um, yeah. yeah, I do. But I really, really do appreciate you taking the time to chat. I, I actually have more questions now than when I started this. So I wish yeah. you know, we'll do this again in the future. Well, well, you know what? I'm in, uh, I'm, so I'm back in Minnesota here. Probably I just put on my to-do list today. I got to figure out what day I want to come back, but it's probably going to be around the 15th of the month of May. And then I'll, and then, yeah, of May. And then I'll be there through the summer. I'll come back to Miami like the end of September. So, okay. Well, you're uh, you're a Minnesota guy. Yeah. Yeah. So if, uh, if the, if the gyms open up, um, by the time that you're back here, I would love for you to come work out with us and our our product at one of the different gyms locally. Yeah. Yeah. If you can go for it. Yeah, I do. I go to, um, so I'm a, I, I used to go, there's not a, I'm a member of Barry's bootcamp here in Miami, but, okay. uh, but, uh, I, back to the, I don't believe, I don't know if there's berries in Minneapolis, but I know there's orange theory. They're opening one soon in a couple of weeks or actually they were supposed to, I don't know what, I don't know what, what's going on. Yeah. There, but. Where, what, what location? What's, what's uh, up? Think, uh, it was in North loop kind of right by, I think it's by altar. I don't know if you know altar. Uh, yeah. 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 So. Okay, I, I'll go to that because I'm a, I'm a big berries fan. That's a kill ass, kick ass workout. Um, we we don't actually, we don't actually work with them on our application yet. Uh, but yeah, but, uh, but yeah. So, but yeah. anyway, I would love to go work out with you. So yeah, yeah, right on, right on. Well, hey, best of luck with everything. You know how to find me if you if you have questions on anything. I'm happy to help you out.